I'm super excited to preach tonight. I got a word on my heart that's kind of like a call to action. And uh, I believe that it's going to uh, rev us up and encourage us to go into our Monday and apply a bit of this to our lives. Um, here at City Point, over the month of January, we've been going through this same pursuit. And uh, the staple verse for this theme has been to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all else will be added unto us. And um, I love that over the last couple of weeks, our preaching team have been going through uh, how we can pursue Jesus in our life. That, that, you know, we, we could pursue so many things in our life. We could pursue like career, we could pursue money, we could pursue, um, you know, all these exterior things. But the ultimate pursuit that we should have as Christians is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, but tonight I want to flip the script a little bit and I wanted to talk about uh, the greatest pursuit that's almost greater than this pursuit. And this is God's pursuit for humanity. God's pursuit for humanity, if, if you were just to read the Bible, if you were just to open the pages of the Bible, you would see that God is just madly in love with His people and wants to pursue you and I. And uh, you, could, you can look at, you know, the parable of uh, the lost sheep where God would leave the 99 for the one. You could look at all these verses where there's in, these incredible pursuits uh, for God towards His People And tonight I wanted to talk about this, particularly I wanted to talk about how we can partner with God in pursuing the people in our world. How we can partner with God in pursuing the lost people in our world. If we're just to even look at the parable of the prodigal son for a second, that it wasn't just that this son pursued the father, but it was the father met him halfway and pursued the son as well. I think that, you know, God has a mandate and a mission to pursue every single person and seek every single person that is yet to know Him in our community. And, and I, I, I pray that tonight that we would realize that we are a part of this, that we can co-labor with God in seeing our world influenced for Him. And uh, tonight... One verse that just sticks out to me uh, that I just wanted to share is this verse in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It, it won't be on the screen behind me, but it's after this um, amazing story between Jesus and this man named Zacchaeus. And this verse just states this simple thing that is just to, um, it, it sums up God's pursuit for the lost. And it says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and a, a pattern that I find often in the Word of God is this, that when someone seeks Jesus with everything that they have, when someone, you know, encounters Jesus for the very first time, they get a bigger perspective and they realize that their faith doesn't just end with them, but their faith and their purpose on this earth is to influence the people around them as well. Let's even look at the life of Paul for a second in Acts chapter 9. At the start of Acts chapter 9, Paul literally is persecuting and killing Christians. But then we find that Jesus in one encounter changes his life, turns his life around, and we find by the end of chapter 9 of the book of Acts, Paul is preaching the gospel and he realizes, hey, this isn't just about me anymore, this is about the people around me as well. He grabbed a hold of his purpose and once he individually sought God for himself, he realized, hey, I gotta tell people about this good news that I know about. I gotta tell people about this Jesus that I've come in contact with. I've titled my message tonight, I Can't Stay Silent. Turn to the person next to you and say, I can't stay silent. 
I can't stay silent. And, and, and what I, I find is that when you encounter Jesus, when Jesus completely transforms and renovates your life, is that you can't stay silent or you can't stay quiet. There it is, there it is. I just realized what I'd done. Some people in the front row are like, they, they were saying stuff to me, I'm like, what's going on? But, but you can't stay quiet about Jesus. Here's one thing I know, that, that Paul was someone that couldn't stay quiet about Jesus. As soon as he met him, as soon as he had an encounter with him, he's like, man, this is too good to keep quiet. This is too good to keep quiet. I, I gotta proclaim and demonstrate what Jesus has done in transforming my life. And this isn't just a call for Paul. This isn't just Paul's calling. This isn't just Paul's purpose. But I believe that Jesus wants every one of us to not stay quiet about our faith, but come Monday, come Tuesday, come Wednesday, influence our world for good and for God. How awesome is the mission of City Point Church to influence our world for good and for God? But then the question is, how do we influence our world? Where do we start in influencing our world? Where do we start in co-laboring with God to see the people around us set free and saved and transformed? Tonight, I wanted to go through a passage that gives us some insights into Paul's attitudes and, and beliefs around influencing his world for good and for God. And I believe that, you know, as we apply these same, these same attitudes and beliefs to our own life, that this is gonna be powerful for us come this week and this year, and we're gonna see so many people come to Jesus. I, I wanted to read from 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3 to 11 tonight. And, and the context around this scripture is Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. So that, that transformational journey that I talked about before in Acts chapter nine, the writer of this is that guy that we read about in Acts chapter nine. And we're gonna read it together and then we're gonna unpack it together. And I believe that there's four keys in this scripture that can help us influence our world. So let's read it together. Verse three, it says, you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling, goodness me, among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For, uh, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you mere human beings? What after all is Apollos, and what after all is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God, who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Before we read on anymore, I think it's crazy this terminology that Paul uses in this text. He says that we are co-workers in God's service. How amazing is it that the God of the universe wants to partner with you and I to advance his kingdom here on earth? I don't know about you, but I'm super grateful that although you know, we are imperfect people, we have a perfect God that wants to partner with us in fulfilling his perfect mission he has for people. And uh, I love that, that Paul uses that because it is such a privilege that we get to reach the people around us. It's not a burden, it's a privilege that we get to reach the people around us. We read on, it says, by the grace 
God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I, I think that, that this provides us some keys into Paul's attitude when it came to reaching and influencing the people around him. And there's four things that I analyze in this story that can help us influence our world for good and for God, help us co-labor with God in his mission that he has for you and I. The first thing is this, I, I realize in, in, in uh, verse three here, it says, you are still worldly. He's, he's saying to these guys, like he, he's almost confused. And he's like, why are you guys still like quarreling about this? Why are you guys so jealous about this? What, what, what your behavior or your actions don't align with the conviction that you should have in your heart. And, and Paul's almost like, what are you doing? He's like shaking the church of Corinth going, hey, what are you doing? I thought you were transformed. I thought you were someone that had, had grasped this. I, I thought you were someone that knew Jesus. And what Paul's saying is, he's saying, why aren't you standing out? Why aren't you standing out? If, if I, he's like, if I was just to look at your life right now, you just look like you've never met Jesus in your entire life. And he's saying, why aren't you standing out? I think the first thing that we can do if we wanna influence our world for good and for God is we need to stand out. We need to stand out. I love, he's like, you're still worldly. You're, you're acting like humans. You're acting like people that never knew God. And I believe that God has called us to live a life that is going to stand out from the rest of the world. He's called us and, and purposed us with a life that we need to live that is different to the people that don't yet know Christ. And, and what, what Paul is saying here, he's saying, hey, you know what? You cannot reach the people around you if you wanna be like the people around you. The truth is, church, if, if we wanna be like the world, we can't reach the world because we desire to be like the world. But we need to be people that say, you know what? Hey, I wanna stand out. I wanna stand for Jesus. I wanna not live a life that's so similar to the people that don't know him yet. And um, I, I wanna ask us a question tonight, and that, that is why would people come to know Christ if they can't see the transformation in you? Why would people come to Christ if they can't notice any difference or transformation in you? Because I've discovered that if we wanna transform our world for good and for God, if we wanna partner with God in pursuing the people that don't yet know Him, we need to be people that live transformed lives and we can't conform to culture. We can't conform to the ways of the world. We need to live transformed lives. Imagine if someone in the community knew you went to City Point just by the way you lived. Imagine if someone in the community could just identify who the Christians were in the community because we lived to such a high standard, we lived to such a high calling, we lived to pure standards and what God has called us to live. Imagine that. Um, I remember this one time um, I was in worship and uh, if you stood next to me in worship, I get real loud in worship and uh, I, I was at youth and I, I, I had like, this is a gross story, by the way, just an FYI. Um, I had like this big booger in my nose in the middle of worship. I, I warned you, I warned you. 
And it was at youth and I, I, everyone had their eyes closed. They were just, you know, spending time with God. I was like, man, I really need to get this out. So I did like a bit of a shoulder check to make sure that no one was looking around me. Everyone was closing their eyes. And then it was like, it was literally like two seconds. I just flicked it out and I kept on worshiping God. Can I be vulnerable with you for a second? And I remember in that moment in the service when, when we're like, hey, turn around, say hello to the person next to you. I remember one of my life group boys came up to me and I was just saying hello to all the boys. And uh, he was like, he, he just pulled me in real close and he's like, Liam, I saw you pick your nose in the middle of worship. And that's all he said. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. I was like, do I admit it? Do I just brush it off like nothing happened? Do I just do that awkward laugh? Like, what do I do? And uh, you're like, Liam, why are you telling this story? It's got nothing to do with what you're talking about. Uh, that, that story always reminds me of this, that people are watching you when you're least expecting it. That even when you don't expect it, even when you don't know it, people are analyzing your life. Now, I'm not saying this to kind of like creep you out, but I'm saying this so that we can emphasize, hey, we gotta stand out all the time. It's not just good enough to stand out for one day. It's not just good enough to stand out for one week this year. We gotta say, you know what? Every single day, every single moment, I wanna be someone that stands out from the crowd in the world. Because I gotta show transformation in my own heart if I want people to seek Jesus in their own lives. And people are watching you when you're least expecting it. Here's some moments that people could be watching you. People will watch how you treat your boss when they're slamming work on you. People will watch how you react under pressure, how you react under pressure. People will watch how you act and react at parties and social events. People will watch uh, when, when your, your conduct on social media and people will watch how you talk about others. There's just a couple examples of some areas sometimes we can forget that people are watching and then we, we conform to the culture and the ways of the world but can I encourage you in every single moment, every single day when you don't think anyone's watching, would you be someone that says, you know what, I wanna stand out. I, I, I wanna be different from the people around me. When people view these areas of your life, do you stand out? And uh, I, I seriously believe that, you know, if we're gonna change the world around us, we need some Christians that are gonna stand out, that are gonna stand up for the truth and not just conform to the most popular opinion or the culture around us at the time. Even just look at the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That even when it wasn't a popular opinion, even when culture said that they had to bow down, they said, you know what, I know a greater truth, and that truth is found in the Almighty God. That truth is found, where do you find your truth and what do you stand for? Because we need to stand for the right things. We need to stand out. Now you're probably like, how do I do this? How do, how do I stand out? How do I do this come Monday? Because it's a great concept, but how do we actually put this into practice? Here's two things that have helped me in my journey live for Christ as much as I could in every single moment. Two things. The first thing is you need to have a spiritual focus. You need to have a spiritual focus. Don't get caught in the motions on Monday, but actually know that Jesus is with you, not just in this place, but when you leave this place as well. Do you have a spiritual focus? The second thing is this, is you gotta make God's calling and commission greater than other people's opinions. 
God's calling and commission greater than the people around us opinions because people are going to tear you down people are going to point you out but we got to stand strong we got to stand out we read on it says this in verse 5 it says what after all is Apollos and what is Paul only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I, I, I love what, what Paul writes here. He says, only servants. What, what am I? I'm only a servant. Now, you've got to understand that, that Paul, the writer of this, is someone that wrote a lot of the letters that we read in the New Testament. Paul is just an amazing guy that fearlessly preached the gospel, that lived it out with his life, that would preach in synagogues and street corners, and he, he, he converted so many to Christ. He was someone that, that influenced his world so much, and I love what he says here. He's like, but what after all am I? After all this, what am I? And he says, I'm only a servant. Is that a typo? Like, let's be real. This guy is an amazing man of God. But he describes himself as only a servant. And I realize that if we want to influence our world, if we want to help in co-laboring with God to see our world come to know Christ, is we need to serve. We need to serve. Because I believe that this position that Paul embodies here as a servant is one of the most powerful positions. I believe this set him up for the amazing influence that he had because he realized that he is only a servant that he needs to serve the people around him. And uh, what I love about Paul is that he knew he was just an ordinary person with an extraordinary message. He says, you know what, it's not about me. If you take, you know, Jesus out of the equation, this is gonna amount to nothing. He's like, I'm only a servant and God brings the increase. And I love this heart position. He's like, hey, I'm just an imperfect person with a perfect message. I'm just an imperfect person with a perfect message. And we, we see this even in the life of Christ. Jesus says that amazing statement that says, you know what, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. Why would the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords come to serve? Because when you serve the people around you, it gives you massive influence in their life. And if we were just to serve the people around us with everything that we had, we would influence our world for good and for God. And um, I, I love here that the God's promise is when we serve, He will save. When we serve, God will save. That He is so faithful, He's not gonna let you know, your servanthood or, or the things that you're doing in your serve areas just fall to the ground, but He's gonna use that and He's gonna plant seeds in people's life which is gonna make them come to a point where they know Jesus. Which means this, it's good news for us. It means that the pressure is off. All you have to do is serve. All you have to do is serve the people around you. When you go into your workplace on Monday, how can you serve the people around you? When you go into your university, you know, this semester, how can you serve the people around you? Because I think that in this selfish generation, something that, you know, is quite foreign today is when people serve one another. When people are selfless to one another, they lay down things for one another. And if we can show the world, hey, I just wanna serve you. I just wanna serve you. I think it, it creates great influence in their lives. And I think it, it, it um, plants a seed for God to water and for us to water and, and it creates good things in our life. I, I love that, 
you know, serving is one of the most uh, unseen things, but one of the most significant things that we could ever do. And even in me, in my journey, I didn't come to church, you know, because, you know, I was invited to church and I just rocked into the door. No, I came because someone served me. Literally for almost two and a half years, there was a breakfast program in my school that, you know, people just gave up their time and they said, you know what, I'm going to serve you with everything that I have. And I realized, hey, there's something different about these people. And they planted a seed in my life. I just thought I was getting free pancakes, but two and a half years later, I gave my heart to Jesus. Because there were some people that said, you know what, I want to serve the people around me. And I know that when I serve, God will do His job and He will save. He is a faithful God. He is a faithful God. When we serve, He promises that He will save. And I love that heart position. Would we embody a heart position of a servant? We read on in verse 6. I love this. It says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So the first thing I analyze here is Paul's like, hey, if you want to have influence, if you want to be someone that reaches your world for Jesus, you're going to stand out. The second thing that we analyze is he's saying, you know what? You, you can't count yourself as the key player in this. You've got to just embody the heart of a servant. So we've got to serve. But here, Paul is encouraging us to sow. To sow. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God is making it grow. And God's promise to us is that we, when we sow, God will make it grow. When we sow, God will make it grow. I love this, and, and, and I find that planting a seed or sowing a seed is one of the most unseen things in today's society. That sometimes you won't get recognition for planting a seed in someone's life. Maybe, you know, you even have a conversation with someone and, and you planted that seed. Sometimes, you know, they're gonna be like, why is this person talking to me? Why does this person care? And they might not recognize you, but can I tell you that even though it might not be recognized in the moment, it's still significant to God. Because often in, in our, our small lens, we think that sowing is such a small thing, but God says, you know what? When you sow a seed, it isn't a small thing. It's a significant thing that He's gonna make grow. He sees significance in every single seed that you sow. And although we often view it as small, God sees it as significant. He sees it as significant. And this is often when the enemy tries to convince us, hey, that's just a small thing, don't worry about it. Like, you know, for example, you shout someone a coffee come Monday and you wanna sow a seed in their life of generosity and then the enemy is gonna say something like, hey, that is so small, what is that gonna do in their life? Often the enemy comes to attack in this moment because he, he knows that if we can view this as small, we won't do it. But we gotta change our lens to you know, um, align with God's lens that says, you know what, this is gonna be a significant thing that's gonna come to pass one day. And although this is only a seed now, it's gonna be watered, and when it's watered, it's gonna grow. It's gonna grow. And seeds are often hidden in the grounds. There's something that we plant underground, but you know, we, we need the type of faith that says, you know what, every time I plant a seed, even if I don't see it, God is gonna work on it. And even if I don't feel it or hear it, God is gonna work on that seed in that person's life. 
How can you serve and how can you sow this week? Even this year, how can you serve and how can you sow? I'm a practical person, so I've written down a couple of practical things on how we can sow and how we can serve our world. The first is this, buy someone a coffee. (laughs) Buy someone a coffee, show them generosity. Another thing is to take someone out for lunch. Once again, a generous act that you can even, you know, that might be a seed to start a conversation in that person's life that will open things up for God to come and do what he does best. Invite someone to church. It's a seed. Often the worst thing that can happen is they say no, but at least you tried to invite them along to the house of God. Tell someone your testimony. Would you be able to tell someone your testimony this year? That's a seed that you can sow in someone's life that when someone waters it, God will make it grow and he will be faithful to save. Could you pay for someone's fuel? Fuel's like two bucks at the moment. It's crazy. But that's another example of how you can sow something into someone's life, just a random act of kindness or generosity and just tell them why you do it. Hey, Jesus loves me. He paid everything for me. So the least I could do is pay 80 bucks for a tank of fuel. Quick maths, right there, 40 a liter tank. Um, Pray for someone. Know that the prayer moments we have here at City Point in the lead moment are really powerful, but know that that isn't the only time we pray for people. You can pray for someone in your workplace. You can pray for someone in your university. You can pray for someone in your school. You don't have to be in a church building to lay your hands on someone and believe for God to come through. Just sow a seed in their life. Imagine someone walking into a workplace with with a serious injury and you just in faith reach out and say, you know what, I'm gonna pray for you and God comes through in their life. Can I tell you that that would open up so many questions for them and they would probably give their heart to the Lord. Another thing that we can do is send someone an encouraging text message. There's so many things in this world at the moment that just speak hate and speak negativity, but could we just encourage someone with a text message this week? Could we send an uplifting message? Give someone a word of knowledge. Would you pray with God? Would you convene with God and say, God, would you reveal something about that person's life to me so that I can go over and plant a seed and just pray for that person over there. There's, that, that's just a list of some small things that we can do to serve and to sow in our world. But would we be people that, even if it's not on that list, to say, you know what, every single day I'm going to wake up with a mission to serve and to sow. And as we serve and as we sow, God will save and grow. Let's co-labor with God in this. We read on, I love verse 10, it says, by the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Catch this, verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I'm gonna read that again. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to stand out. If we want to influence our world, if we want to co-labor with God in reaching people, we need to stand out from people that don't yet know Jesus. Second thing that we can do is we can serve. How can you serve someone this week? Third thing that we can do is we can sow. Because as we sow, we know that God is going to bring the increase. 
What's the fourth thing that we can do? The fourth thing that we need to do is we need to stand on. Stand on. Stand on what? Stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Because the reality is if you skip this fourth thing, if you stand out, if you serve, if you sow without Jesus, it's not gonna amount to anything. But when you stand on the foundation and you say, you know what, I'm standing on, I'm standing out, I'm serving and I'm sowing, it amounts to amazing things because you've created Jesus the centre of what you do. I love that our mission isn't just to influence the world for good. Full stop. Our mission is to influence the world for good and for God. If you take God out of the equation, it's not going to amount to much. It's not going to amount to much. Can I tell you, if you don't build your life on the rock, if you don't build your life on the right foundation, which is Jesus, your life is going to crumble. Your life is not going to be the best life. Your, your life, you're going to go through life with so much instability. But if you build on Jesus, the rock that can't be shaken, you can go through storm after storm, after rejection, after rejection, after something else, after something else. It doesn't matter what you go through, you're gonna still stand on the rock. He can't be shaken. Even if the church stands on the rock of Jesus, even in a time right now where things around us are shaking and going crazy, we cannot be shaken. We cannot be shaken but we need to stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So how do we even start with reaching our world? Standing out, serving, sowing, and standing on the foundation, which is Christ Jesus. Before we wrap up, I wanted to encourage us around this scripture in Galatians 6 verse nine. And it says this, it says, and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Some translations say we, we shall reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. We can't just do these things once and expect transformation to take place in our world. We need to consistently do these things. We need to consistently day in, day out, say, you know what, how am I gonna stand out today? How am I gonna sow today? How am I gonna serve today? What foundation am I gonna stand on today? And I believe that as we don't give up, as we don't give up, as we don't lose heart, then we will see a harvest. We will, it doesn't say you might see a harvest. It doesn't say hopefully you will see a harvest. No, we will see a harvest if we are just consistent with these things. But we gotta keep sowing. But often what happens is the enemy will creep in and say, why do you keep sowing if nothing keeps happening? Just keep sowing. The enemy will creep in and say, why do you keep on serving if that person isn't getting saved after two years? Just keep serving. The enemy will creep in and say, why are you standing out? No one's even recognising that you're standing out. Just keep on standing out because I believe that as you don't give up, as you don't lose heart of the why behind the what, and you continue to do that thing, the harvest is coming. How amazing would it be if just in a year's time we were to do these things? Imagine the influence that we would have for good and for God in our world, in our workplaces, 
in our universities, in our schools. Just imagine the influence when we co-labor with God in these things. And before I close tonight, maybe if you're being real, your foundation of your life isn't Jesus. Maybe, you know, it's your first time to church, you're like, what's this guy doing? Why is he preaching? Who's this Jesus he's talking about? Can I tell you that in Jesus is transformation. Can I tell you that in so many people's lives across this auditorium, Jesus has transformed their life. The truth is, is that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for you and I. That's the truth. And you know, maybe for you, you don't know who Jesus is and you'd love to make a decision and say, you know what, I wanna live for Jesus. I wanna follow Jesus with my entire heart. In a moment, well, right now, if we could bow our heads and close our eyes, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to say, you know what, I wanna make a stand and I wanna follow Jesus. That's if you've never known Jesus before. That's if you have come into this place new and you're like, man, I wanna, this transformation that you talk about. Maybe you've been trying different things to find hope, to find love, to find fulfillment. Can I tell you that the only destination that you will find it is Jesus? Or maybe for you, once you live for Jesus, you follow Jesus, but things got in the way. You got distracted and He's no longer the foundation of your life. And tonight you say, you know what? I wanna recommit my heart to Jesus. I wanna put Him back at the center of my life. On the count of three, I'd love you to lift your hand and I don't wanna point you out or put a spotlight on you, but I wanna pray with you because this is the most incredible decision you could ever make in your entire life. So on the count of three, if that's you, I'd love you to raise your hand and I'm gonna pray with you. One, He loves you so much. As I said at the start of this message, Jesus came not just to seek and save the Christians, He came to seek and save the lost. Two, It is the greatest decision that you could ever make that will bring you fulfillment, hope, and love. And three, is that anyone in this place that says, you know what, I wanna recenter my heart on Jesus or I wanna follow Jesus for the very first time. As I look from the right to the left, from the front to the back, is there anyone, I see that hand over there. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? As I look from the left to the right, from the front, I see that hand over there as well. Amazing decision. I see that hand over there as well. Amazing. Well, God, we thank You for every single person that has raised their hand tonight to say that that You would become the very foundation of their life. God, I declare that the people that have not yet to know You would start to know You, that this would be the start to a relationship with You. And I pray that as they build their life on the rock, that the things around them wouldn't shake them because they could stand on You, Jesus. I pray that the old life would be gone, the new life would come. And I pray that You would just help them walk in the purpose that they were created to walk in. And we thank You for that in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Well, hey, can we celebrate those decisions tonight? Amazing decisions. The greatest decision you could ever make.